Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And welcome in to the pump bag. Merry Christmas, everybody. Football's back today, kicking off with the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, raising their banner and going on their quest to defend their Super Bowl title, beginning against the Detroit Lions. That's tonight. It's tonight, everybody. We made it. Offseason, the preseason, all of that, all the fun stuff of the last six months, seven months. It's been a hell of a grind. But we are here. And we have made it. We'll talk about all of that. Benny Heisler, host of Benny and the Bets on KC Sports Network. He'll be joining me momentarily. I did want to start off with this, though. Everything going on in San Francisco. And I know that it's been a talking point for just about every show in this line of work over the last God knows how long. Not even just this offseason. It's been a three-year thing. And they get the deal done with Nick Bose yesterday, which, by the way, hey, they needed to do that. He's their most important player. And they give him a deal that pays him about $34 million a year, and he's worth it. He's a top three edge rusher in football, reigning defensive player of the year. He deserves it. But the 49ers, now you need to win. And if you don't, it doesn't necessarily have to be this year, but it's got to be with this group. And if they don't, then this is a colossal failure. Because this is a team that traded multiple first-round picks for Trey Lance. Those picks, by the way, in Miami turned out to be used to acquire Tyreek Hill, draft Jalen Waddle, trade for Bradley Chubb. And now Miami has championship aspirations of their own, in large part because of the pieces that the 49ers gave them and what they turned them into. And the player in which they acquired the 49ers the player that they got out of that deal is no longer on the team and got four starts before getting shipped to Dallas. And now you're going forward with Brock Purdy, who I think that in the conversation of this, you know, we could argue back and forth. Did Trey have the higher ceiling? Brock maybe have the higher floor, whatever. But you better win now. Because now if you're Kyle Shanahan, the ginormous control freak that you are, you've got Brock Purdy, who will play within the script that you want him to play within. He's probably not going to do anything tremendous to take you over a hump. But you look at what their money looks like right now. A lot of backloaded stuff. You just gave Nick Bosa a ginormous contract. Trent Williams has a big contract. Kyle Juszczyk, big contract. Debo Samuel, big contract. Trent Williams. Fred Warner. They're going to have to pay Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey. In a few years, they're going to be in the same boat that the Rams are in right now. Now, the Rams won a Super Bowl. They would absolutely trade a couple years of being bad for another Super Bowl. Every team would. And if you say you wouldn't, you're lying. Because winning a championship is worth going through a couple mediocre years. Any team who says that they would rather just be relevant for a decade and not win anything 
over winning a Super Bowl and stinking for two years, they're wrong. And that's where the Rams are right now. But they can at least say, hey, our way worked. The 49ers need to prove that their way will work. That they don't necessarily need a top 10 quarterback to win a Super Bowl. They can just build an all-star team around him. And as long as he plays adequate, they can do it. And they're sure as hell spending the money. Javon Hargrave in the offseason just paid Nick Bosa. Trent Williams. Everybody on that team, all these stars with these massive contracts, and Brock Purdy's making less than a million dollars a year right now. You better win. And if they don't, it won't be, you know, in the next year or two in terms of what will happen, the consequences. But eventually, when these guys start leaving because they can't afford them, you better have a Super Bowl before that happens, or else Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are both gone. As they should be. Because you put that much capital into a trade and get nothing out of it while another team especially Miami successful if Miami wins the Super Bowl and the 49ers don't then this goes down as arguably the worst trade or the most one-sided trade in the history of the NFL up there with the Herschel Walker deal from Minnesota to Dallas so the 49ers better win and again doesn't necessarily have to be this year but within the next two years with this group, if they don't win and they have to start offloading some of these guys because that's when the money catches up, you can only kick the can down the road so far. Eventually, you got you to gotta deal with, you know, you got to lay in the bed you made. And the 49ers are going to have to do that. Now, if they have a Super Bowl, by the time they got to do it, it's going to be a hell of a lot easier to lay in that bed. But right now, Looking at all of that money tied up into all of these stars and Kyle Shanahan very clearly saying, hey, I don't need an elite guy to do this. I'm going to do this my way. Well, hey, show us that it works. Because you can keep getting the NFC Championship games. That's fine. Do that all you want. If your goal is just to lose NFC Championship games, then cool. Mission accomplished. But you don't have this roster and constantly be picked to win Super Bowls and get to Super Bowls. And if you do that year in and year out and you still can't win, this is, this is a colossal failure. A colossal failure. And that's what it is. So again, they don't have to necessarily win it this year. I got doubts about Brock Purdy coming into this year too because of his arm and the surgery. And I honestly think Seattle's going to win that division. So it doesn't necessarily have to be this year. But you better get the job done. Whether it be this year, next year. You got to win with this group. Because that money's going to catch up. But if you have a Super Bowl in that span, it's going to be a hell of a lot easier to eat that and go about your business. But Kyle Shanahan has made it very clear, hey, I don't need an elite quarterback. Now, we don't know if Trey Lance is going to be that, but that's the thing. We don't know. 
he didn't give us any time to find out. We got four games of it. I understand the the run that Brock Purdy went on last year. But it's very fair to point out the very advantageous circumstances that he fell into. So the 49ers, they better win. And that's what this comes down to. Can they win? Because we know they can get to the playoffs, especially in an NFC that's somewhat top-heavy. And a division where the Seahawks are really their only competition this year. The Rams aren't going to be much of anything, especially with Cooper Cup possibly going on IR. And the Cardinals are a dumpster fire. So we know that they can get to the playoffs, and they're probably going to. But they better hope the floor doesn't just cave in. Like They better hope that Brock Purdy is worth going all in on, just building this colossal roster around him. And if they can't prove that their way works, jobs are going to be lost in the next few years. All right. Enough of my rambling. Let's bring in Ben Heisler, KC Sports Network, and talk some money. What's going on, Benny? How are you? What's happening, Jared? It's good to be on with you, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely, man. It's a Merry Christmas. You know, it's a, it's a very good day, and everybody is very excited. And so we'll jump into, um, I'd say, five or so notable games of the weekend. Kind of get your thoughts on them. We'll start with the game tonight. Kansas City minus four and a half hosting the Detroit Lions, raising their Super Bowl banner and all of that whole shebang down in Kansas City. Um, Travis Kelsey, everything going on with his hyperextended knee. Chris Jones, the contract stuff. Are you surprised that the line is only four and a half, or would you expect it to be higher for Kansas City even without potentially both of those guys? I'm actually a bit surprised that the line moved as far as it did because it had been sitting at six and a half pretty much from the moment it opened, creeped up to seven, immediately went back down to six and a half. And then we saw a two line drop when the news of Kansas, uh, when the news of Travis Kelsey's injury came out. So I listen, I, I think Travis Kelsey is an elite tight end, certainly the best in the NFL. Is he worth a two point swing at the tight end spot? I'm not so sure. And I also think that number was was baked in mind, knowing that Chris Jones was likely going to sit out this game as well. Listen, initially, if the line had stuck where it was at six and a half, I, I think Detroit would have probably been the play. They've been the best covering team in the NFL the last two years. 12 and five covering the spread last year. Yeah, they're, they, they've been unbelievable. And I think about that week one game where they were down like, what, 28 points yeah. the first half to Philadelphia came all the way back and, and backdoor covered that game. Um, the other key component about not having Chris Jones is that the Chiefs uh, hurry percentage uh, going up against quarterbacks uh, goes from first in the NFL when he's on the field to 28th when he's off. So that's going to provide Goff, who is a night and day quarterback when he has time to throw, plenty of opportunities. So if you're looking for uh, some props on the Sun God, I'm on Ross St. Brown, you're going to feel pretty good about that. They're going to be able to take care of uh, David Montgomery with a little bit more opportunities up the middle of the field. The lines are going to hang with the Chiefs. And as much as I know about Patrick Mahomes, he's that he's that dude, and he'll find whatever competitive edge he has. But I, I think he'll find a way to – it's what they always do. They find a way to win, although they probably won't cover in the process. So 
if Kelsey plays, I think you'll see this number crawl back up to maybe five, maybe five and a half. I just don't know if he's going to be healthy and if it's just going to be more of a decoy at this point. Um, so I, I do think Detroit can hang around and cover, but if you're looking for the best number right now on Kansas city, I'd probably grab it now as opposed to later. And you talked about the Lions being one of the best covering teams in the NFL. I'm pretty sure the chiefs are one of the worst covering teams in the NFL over the last couple of years, just because we're used to seeing them have these monumental spreads where it's usually a touchdown, seven and a half, eight points where, you know, I think the spread kind of plays against them in a way. Um, over under 53 and a half for this game right now. That's one that I'm paying very close attention to just because of the things you pointed out. I think that the Lions are going to utilize their run game and play into play action and getting the ball into Amon Ross St. Brown's hands. But if David Montgomery is playing well, if Jameer Gibbs is playing well, if the Chiefs can't solve the, the run game of, of the Lions without Chris Jones in the lineup, like we know that their defense is going to be marginally worse. Even with you know Nick Bolton and Willie Gay, guys that I like, if they don't have 95 in the middle there, it's going to be, I think the Lions run game is something to pay attention to. So maybe watch some David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs props. Yeah, I, I like Montgomery, particularly for an anytime touchdown. I think about the impact that Jamal Williams had last year. They, mm. they like the thunder and lightning approach, right? Uh, they like going between the tackles, especially in the goal line. It prevents Goff from, from throwing a bad pick. Uh, they trust their offensive line. So he, he's an anytime touchdown play. That's probably one of my favorite. I also like if you can get and move the line a little bit on his rushing prop tonight, I think you can get over 50 yards as well. Um, I, I do think from the total perspective, um, getting it under 53 and a half, if you're looking to bet the over, is probably a play that I do like. Um, in fact, when the was sitting at 54, uh, I paid a little bit extra to move it to 53 and a half. Obviously, I could have waited around, but we didn't know about the Kelsey injury. <laughs> the, the thing with these two teams, and it's a pretty crazy historical trend, and I never say to, to bet on historical trends, but it's, it's interesting to keep a, a note of. The Kansas City Chiefs over the last eight years are 8-0 to the over in week one. If you go back to the last 12 years for Detroit, they're 12-0 to the over in their week one games. So it's just like this stupid, crazy trend that's on the board, available, and now you're getting it at a lower number than what you were getting it at before. These teams are going to score points, and there's just not a lot of concern right now defensively, especially in the secondary for, for either team that has me feeling concern. And even though the, the Chiefs' offensive weapons with Kelsey maybe not being there um, could be a bit significant, they're still going to move the ball. There's still going to be plenty of opportunities, and it's still Mahomes. Like, that's what we have to wrap our heads around. Like, he may not have the guys to throw to, but he'll continue to find ways to get guys open, scheme it up, and it's still Andy Reid there. So I do like the over at 53.5, even with the uncertainty of Travis Kelsey. Uh, and it has nothing to do with the trends more so. I just think it's a good number, and you're getting it before that key number of 54. Moving on to the Sunday slate, uh, Bengals-Browns is one I'm paying attention to. Uh, I do worry about Cincinnati a little bit. We saw what happened last year when Joe Burrow didn't take any preseason reps. They came out of the gate slow. They started 0-2. The Browns are a team that's had the Bengals number in recent memory. Um, I think that this is a favorable matchup and one where we could see the underdog just win outright. The Browns, two two and a half point underdogs at home to the Bengals. I think that we could see a little bit of a repeat from last year where Joe Burrow and the, and the Bengals come off a little bit slow out of the gates and uh, the Browns are the beneficiary. I, I think you're spot on. Um, it's interesting because Kevin Stefanski uh, has been during his tenure, one of the worst covering head coaches in the NFL. Conversely with the Bengals over the last three years, since they've gotten Burrow have been one of the best teams against the spread, but it's a divisional game for Cincinnati on the road against a team that he's had some issues with, especially when it comes to covering the number. 
I think this is a really good spot for Cleveland. The question will be whether or not you buy into Deshaun Watson looking like the Deshaun Watson of old um, before he eventually got out of Houston and just really played terribly last year. Um, that's the, the the key question there. If they're going to be able to run with Chubb and be able to use Watson, take some deep shots on the field. Elijah Moore, by the way, I, I think is in line for a really nice year. I think they're going to use him in the same way that they used Will Fuller. Uh, in Houston, just that deep electric threat downfield, um, a guy that I love, one of my the higher bets that I've made for the season for him to, to clear his over on receiving yards. Um, they're going to have plenty of opportunities uh, to, to go up against Cincinnati, like you said, uh, with Brown not playing in the preseason, still recovering from, from a bit of an injury. Um, th- this is a nice spot, especially at home for a divisional game where historically a lot of these trends line up in favor of Cleveland. So um, there's, there's another team on the board that I, I think we'll get to that's, uh, has a very similar line, similar type of feel, not a division game. Uh, but I do think if you're looking at underdogs for this week, uh, Cleveland certainly needs to be considered given this matchup. Would that other team perhaps be the New York Jets getting two and a half against the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football? It is not the New York oh. Jets. Um, although it's because you know, that one is also a divisional game and, and that one I'm having a little bit more trouble with. I've, I've wanted to fade the jets for, for most of the season, especially early on. Sure. I think at some point they'll, they'll start to get some momentum, but, uh, Buffalo is a team that, that I really do like this year. I, I think they just had so much going on last year, especially given the DeMar Hamlin situation. There was just all sorts of movement and issues and clearly drama on the team. They low-key went through a lot last year, and it was really yeah. in the second half of the season where they just got – it was one thing after another with you know the travel stuff because of weather, having to play yeah. a game in Detroit, the the, the eight-day turnaround for different games. Like it was it, – they had a lot going on that nobody really paid too much attention to outside of the aforementioned De- DeMar Hamlin situation. Yeah, and their defense is still going to be very, very good. Your offense is still going to be elite. They just need to kind of clean up some pieces. And and one aspect that I think is going to be helpful for them is which Gabe Davis is going to show up. Is it going to be the yeah. guy that was a colossal letdown from a season ago or the guy that scored multiple touchdowns on, on Kansas City uh, in the final few minutes, four touchdowns uh, in that previous uh, divisional round game in the playoffs where if he all of a sudden comes alive, the rest of that team offensively is scary. James Cook leading the way at the running back position. Uh, Stephon Diggs, if uh, their drama between him and Josh Allen has actually moved past. Dalton Kincaid is a, I, I kind of think of how the Giants used Evan Ingram uh, mm. in his earlier years where he was just a terrific receiver. Um, Kincaid might be a little bit more polished going into this year as well. So they're, they have weapons all around the field and they're, I don't think a lot of people are buying into Buffalo as a Super Bowl contender, but but I am. Um, I, I do think they're a team, especially knowing all the noise and all the hoopla around the Jets. They're going to be a very popular home dog on Monday night. I I think I like the Bills, even though a lot of the trends would suggest that, again, underdog at home week one. Aaron Rodgers has been very, very good in week one games. This one, I think I'm going to have to side with the favorite. But there is one other one, and I think this one is going to hit a little bit close for you guys. I, the team that I really do like um, is Pittsburgh this week. There we go. That's home, what I like to hear, Ben Heisler. I, I know. This, listen, if, if I'm not here to, to, to make the people happy, then, then really what am I doing? <laughs> I, I think we can go through the numbers for, for Mike Tomlin in this particular spot against the spread at home as a dog. I mean, all he does is cover. Like we're, we're talking about someone covering it like a 70% clip in this spot. Two and a half immediately came down from, from three. San Francisco's a good team, uh, but there's still question marks. 
if you're coming into this game saying that, you know, Brock Purdy is, is the guy and you feel completely confident. And even though Nick Bosa got his money, um, you know, is that going to be somebody without having preseason reps be able to come and play this game? I'm not so sure. What I do know is that Kenny Pickett is very much set up to go in the right direction. If we're going off of just pure, you know, rationale and reasoning for uh, positive regression in the mean, maybe taking Deontay Johnson at 15 to one to score the first touchdown of the game might be worth it after not getting into the end zone. At any I was point say, wouldn't, wouldn't that be fun for Deontay Johnson after not right? getting in at all? Let's, let's, let's just take a walk down narrative street for that one. I, I, I do think Pittsburgh, they might be a popular dog this week, but you could even go ahead and tease that game to, to eight and a half with the, the Browns at home yeah. uh, and get both of those numbers past three and seven. Uh, that might be my favorite teaser of the week actually is to take both of those two teams uh, and go from plus two and a half to plus eight and a half uh, in matchups that I believe that they can win straight up. Yeah. The thing with the Steelers, like you touched on it. Um, I think that Pickett has shown a night and day difference. I mean, from what I saw in camp and what we all saw in the preseason, he looks more poised. He doesn't have like the happy feet that he had last year. If he even sensed pressure was going to get to him, he was out of the pocket. Um, and look, again, it was brief. It was only five drives in the preseason, but it was what we needed to see in terms of him possibly taking a step forward. They got better marginally on both sides of the ball. And yeah, I have questions about the 49ers. I have questions about Brock Purdy and the elbow. So, Cross-country trip, week one, the Steelers are going to be ready. You know, they've their last two week ones, they have been against really good opponents that nobody expected them to beat, and they've won both of them against Buffalo and Cincinnati. I think that we could see them historically a good week one team as well. So I could, I, I like that matchup. Um, yeah. in, ter- in terms of the Bills, they're my pick to win the Super Bowl. Um, however, the Jets are the team that's given them the most fits within the division the last few years. And I think playing in New York, not having Von Miller, I don't trust their pass rush to begin with, first of all. That's fair. And that's why you go out and you get a Leonard Floyd, and I get that. But if I hear one more Bills fan tell me how great A.J. Epinesa is or how <laughs> how Greg Rousseau is going to – they drafted all of these guys with like high-value draft picks, and none of them have amounted to being anything worthy of those draft picks. They just sent Boogie Basham to New York, so clearly that didn't work out. I I have questions about – the high draft picks in recent years of Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. Kyer Elam, by the way, not even a starting cornerback right now who they took in the first round last year. I, I've got a lot of questions about Buffalo's defense right now in terms of their pass rush. I, I love Matt Milano. I think he's the second best off-ball linebacker in football. If Trey White's healthy. That's great. Really good safety pairing with Hyde and Poyer, but Hyde's apparently dealing with something already. If they stay healthy, awesome, but still that pass rush man has, has a lot to prove. No doubt. And you're playing in an AFC that's going to be extremely challenging in arguably the, well, I, I don't know if it's necessarily an argument. I, I'd still contend that the, the AFC North is the toughest division in football this that's year, but um, you can certainly make a, you can certainly make a case that the AFC East is probably second hardest, right? Yeah, um, I, I don't think the Jets are, are going to be, uh, they're not going to be trash with Rodgers. Like it's still a very good defense and it is going to elevate so many other guys on this team. Like I, I'm buying into them being, legitimately good in fact yeah. I, I think the value is is there as a super bowl contender uh but i just don't think it's going to happen right away I, this is a team that still needs some time to, to sort things out process beginning portion of their schedule is very challenging uh, you know i i think about that game in week four against kansas city um to me that that's a game that the chiefs if they have everybody healthy probably smokes the jets um and that might be sort of that relax moment for rogers and then they start to <laughs> figure things out and, and get back on track the rest of the way. But um, yeah, Buffalo is, is really intriguing. And I, I think to your point, like the, the 
concerns on defense are there. They're glaring, but um, I, I just think their secondary is, is still good enough to mask some of their issues with their pass rush. Um, and, and that's usually it's one sort of begots the other. You have a really good pass rush. It can kind of help the, the secondary out versus right. if your pass rush isn't there, the secondary can cover up a lot of mistakes and in time for the quarterback to throw. So they're, they're right up there with me. And I, I think even the number at nine to one, I'll probably wait on it. Hope that I can get into double digits, but I do think they're very much in contention for a Super Bowl, and rightfully so. Staying in the AFC, why are the Jaguars only four and a half point favorites against the tight or the Colts? My apologies. It's a division game on the road. Um, I don't. I don't care, man. That like, <laughs> like I, I'm not trying to crap too much on the Colts. I, I think there's a clear vision in mind, which is we're going to get athletes that are scheme fits. Anthony Richardson, if he works out, is going to be an alien. Pairing him with Shane Steichen is probably the best case scenario for him coming into the league. But you've got an owner who is tweeting like he reached into Aaron Rodgers' bag, labeled clearly not MDMA, and just tweeting through all of this stuff with Jonathan Taylor. They don't really have a legit number one pass catcher. I like Zaire Franklin and Shaq Leonard, but like, I don't think that those two linebackers are going to change the fortune of your franchise. I don't know, man. There's not a lot about Indy that I love. I, I will say this about Doug Peterson coach teams historically. They they do get off to slow starts. Mm. Um, now, whether or not you buy into a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback, being able to cover a five, five and a half point spread at home, uh, they're going to have issues, but they it's still a decent offensive line, not the, the one that we became accustomed to for many years. And you still have a solid defensive front um, in Indy as well. Now, Jaguars should win that division, um, but they there's still some words on that team. Um, and you can't help but wonder at times, like, if this is the number, like, what is Vegas trying to tell you about this game? If it gets to six, maybe you're like, okay. Now, now I'm starting to look at, at Jacksonville's like, okay, the number's truly there. The money's coming in. But... Trevor Lawrence only 15 and 21 against the spread in his career. Um, now, granted, he's over 500 with Doug Peterson as compared, you know, as compared to Daryl. Like we just need to scrap the entire Urban Meyer year out of existence. That's fair. The, the adult in the room made uh, made a noticeable change <laughs> uh, for for Trevor Lawrence, but I I think it's just that's kind of what it is. It's you know historical trends over time give the value to the the home team in a divisional game in Week One, where we still really don't know what these teams are all about, but. It's not going to be a game that I'm going to be betting. Let's just say that. I mean, I will take it in a three-leg tease where I go Jacksonville Browns Steelers. I'll tease them and ride some money on that. So I, I think that and like if you're if Vegas is right on them, I'll tip my cap and, and I'll eat it. But man, I Jaguars minus four and a half and Washington minus seven are I feel like just absolute locks. The, the Washington one is is interesting too because I, I think about the teams last year that were um, massive dogs that, that that hung around. I think Houston was that team last year. I think they they tied um, Indianapolis in week, in week one. one the, yep, Lovey Smith era, and uh, again Frank Reich in, in week one usually a disaster. Um, and then the Bears, I believe, also covered in in week one as well. So you're talking about the teams that you think are tar or are, are tanking. Um, they're going to, it's just, you know, week one uh, touchdown. I listen again. I, I don't trust Arizona in any sense. I don't think Jonathan Gannon was a particularly inspiring hire, uh, but weirder you feel, things. Do you feel that fire? Yeah, you feel that fire in your gut, Ben Heisler? Huh? Did you, did you, yeah, did you my, drive the here or get off the bus? From, from, the fire in my gut was from taking the, the 30 seconds out of my day to watch that video that I didn't get back. <laughs> I, 
I really do like Washington this year. I don't know your opinion on them. They won eight games last year with just bottom tier quarterback play of Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke. They get Eric Bieniemy. I love Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. If Sam Howe can clear the bar of Heineke and Wentz, which isn't a high bar to clear, they have a relatively easy schedule. I think that they could surprise some people and steal the seventh seed in the NFC playoff picture. I, I don't hate it one bit. And it's still a defense that you can feel pretty good about. Uh, again, the, the health of Chase Young, I think, is going to be significant. But uh, offensively, it, it, so much of, of what Bienemy does um, in, in covering him from his time in Kansas, I, I've been a big Eric Bienemy fan for a long time. I, I know what he's capable of. I know the responsibilities uh, that he's had in Kansas City. And he's someone that will will get on you a little bit. And I think that's an okay thing for Washington. Um, Bienemy coming in to have that type of impact Again, I, I think about Matt Nagy in Chicago for a little bit. At some point, if you're trying to run the Andy Reid scheme um, without the Andy Reid pieces, at some point, it's just not going to work. I, right. I think the enemy is, he recognizes that. He knows that, that Sam Howell has the ability to run and move outside the pocket a little bit. But I, I mean, if you're looking at them to make the playoffs, you can get them right now at over you know plus 300, plus 310 uh, for Washington to be able to sneak in. And again, it's the NFC. Like we might be looking at the New Orleans Saints getting the one or the two seed because of how easy their schedule is this year. So would it surprise me if Washington ends up coming around and, and sneaking into the playoffs or, or seeing a team like Dallas just kind of fall apart because Mike McCarthy's calling the plays? No, not at all, because it's very much wide open. Any other bets that you love this weekend that you want to get us out on? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think certainly when it comes to tonight, I already mentioned that I'm on the, the over 53 and a half. Um, you know, I, I think there's plenty of, uh, if you're looking for some of the, the bonuses that are on the board, certainly there, there's plenty tonight. David Montgomery, uh, probably one of my favorite bets for an anytime touchdown. Uh, remember Jamal Williams last year was, uh, opened the season at 150 to one to lead the NFL in rushing touchdowns. And of course he came through for that Montgomery, one of the best, uh, tackle breakers in the NFL during his time in Chicago. Uh, they're going to use him in very much the same way. So I like him to get in the end zone again tonight. Uh, also like Jarek McKinnon uh, to go over his receiving yards prop tonight. And then as far as the, the rest of the of the uh, games are concerned, haven't gone into the props for, for Sunday or Monday yet. But uh, like I said, the, some of those dogs this week, give me Pittsburgh plus two and a half. Uh, like them on the money line as well. Cleveland, if you want to sprinkle on the money line as well, plus two and a half against Cincinnati. Uh, those two are, are probably the games that I, I know for sure I'm on. Uh, and then the prop market, I think, will kind of go as, as, as we find out a little bit more. But um, those those are the plays that I like so far for week one. Love to hear it. All right. Uh, before we go, I'll give you mine. I like under the under for the Steelers and 49ers. It's 41 and a half right now. We know Mike Tomlin is going to try to limit points, not necessarily outscore opponents. Uh, Philadelphia minus four is a fun one. I might actually include that in a teaser. If Philadelphia comes out of the gate slow, I know that the Patriots defense is always going to be at the top of its game with Bill Belichick. Uh, offensively, though, there's a lot to be desired from uh, from the Patriots. Did you see that thing with Judy Smith-Schuster saying that his knee could explode at any time? I, I saw that. He obviously de denied those reports. Um, <laughs> but if if that's the case, I, I want nothing to do with the Patriots. In fact, I'm trying to remember who who wrote it. Um, there's some, some intriguing odds on taking the Patriots to finish last place uh, in that division. I think like, they're head and shoulders the worst team in that division, at least on paper. Without question, but I think it's just so hard for anybody to even come to the expectation that they would finish in last. But I think that's where the value is for New England this year. Like, yeah, they, they have some improved pieces and the defense is still going to be competitive. But um, and, and I do like Ramondre Stevenson quite a bit, but 
there's not a whole lot that is particularly inspiring about their receiving core. And I think if Mac Jones doesn't take a substantial step forward, then yeah, you're looking at a last place team that might have to come to the realization that eh, we might need to start preparing for the future a little bit further than we thought. Somebody commented on that Juju thing saying that his knee is going to be the only explosive thing about their offense. <laughs> and, and I laughed quite hard at that. Um, do you think, and this is very much forecasting, but if they were to finish last, do you think that Robert Kraft would have the balls to fire Bill Belichick? No. No, no I, I think he would let Belichick stick around for as long as he wanted. Fair enough. Maybe, maybe Caleb Williams to New England Patriots next year if, uh, <laughs> if the Patriots play their cards right. Bill's playing the long game here. Yes, exactly. He'll he'll force his way out of Arizona after Arizona tanks for Caleb Williams to then go to New England, and uh, the world will be unfair once again. Ben Heisler, this is very fun. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the Pump Fake. Enjoy your weekend of football. We'll be back next week to do it all again. Appreciate you, buddy. Thank you, man. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.